You're listening to What Were You Thinking? with Eric McCoy and Paxton Dickerson, only on L.A. Hey, this is Eric McCoy, and welcome back to Paxton. What were you thinking? <laughs> As you can see, we uh, we aren't currently in the studio because apparently my co-host car failed, and he, car he failed to take care of his car. So again, Paxson, what were you fuck were you thinking? <laughs> hey, so I had some car issues now that everybody knows. Thank you, Eric, for letting everybody know that. <laughs> yeah, I had some car issues. You know, the old Mercedes 350, when it wants attention, it gets it. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, unfortunately, with us not being in the studio, we can't take calls. Um, but again, I hope we have a lot of listeners, listeners out there. And to start this out, I wanted to give you guys a quote real quick. And this is a quote of John Lennon. And this will sort of lead us into what we want to talk about. And this is what he said. He said, when I was five years old, my mother always told me that happiness was the key to life. When I went to school, they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I wrote down happy. They told me that I didn't understand the assignment. And I told them, that they didn't understand life. I love that. I love, now, um, John Lennon also went on to, uh, you know, say a lot of other things. I don't know if anybody knows this, but what everybody's talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's talking about? Yeah. Ministers and sinisters and banisters and canisters, bishops and fishups and rabbis and Popeyes. <laughs> yeah. All we are saying is give peace a chance. <laughs> so anyways, happiness. That's what we wanted to talk about. Happiness. What does that you know, mean to you, Jackson? It comes up in uh, my work a lot. Um, and I tell people, you know, the I, I talk about the seven spiritual laws of happiness. Actually, I talk about the seven spiritual laws of success. And I ask them, how do you think I define success. And they say, well, money. And I go, well, of course not. And they laugh. And then I say, you know, someone will say, well, achieving your goals. And I say, well, no, Jeffrey Dahmer achieved his goals. So no. Um, well, you know, uh, 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 you know, everyone, they throw out different ideas. And I say, stop, stop. And I understand why it's the furthest thing from our mind. Even though we beg for it, we don't even, can't even define it. And it's like, uh, what's the one word I would wish on my kids. If I only had one word, if Eric was a genie and he said, you can wish one word on your kids, it would be happiness. Sure. Now, honestly, if doing something that I wouldn't like to do, like I talked to drug addicts and alcoholics, and it's like, if drinking and using actually made you happy, then who would I be to tell you to stop? I couldn't. I could not tell you if you were genuinely happy doing it, I couldn't tell you not to. Who the fuck would I be? The only thing is we weren't happy using and drinking because drug addicts and alcoholics confuse pleasure with happiness. Yes. <laughs> and it's like exactly. you know, I've been I've been uh, teaching on this topic for years. I mean, when I I remember when I started in the industry, you know, all the clients were like, I just want to be happy in life. You know, and the counselor was like, Good, I hope you find it. <laughs> but we never really taught people Here's happiness. Yeah, we never really taught people where to find it. You know, we talk in this country, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life is eternal. Liberty is an inalienable right. But when it comes to happiness, all you can do is pursue it. 
Right. right. Meaning that, I mean, the writers obviously knew a lot of people wouldn't find it, you know. And you kind of hit on one of the things that, that I do like to talk about is those fallacies of happiness and what that actually looks like. And for any of my, you know, if any of my uh, old clients uh, are listening to this or even some of my students, you guys have heard me talk about a lot of this stuff. But, you know, one of them being, and you touched on it, pleasure, you know, pleasure and happiness are two different things, you know. Now, it does require that you have pleasure. Right. You know, I mean, you talk about like the alt, the opposite of that is anhedonia, which is like pleasure, deafness, inability to experience pleasure, which leads to suicide in regards to major depression. So, right. I mean, pleasure is a requirement. But, you know, you talk about drugs and we, you know, there's that saying adaptation level theory. You know, right. any time that I do something like a drug for an extended period of time, my body is going to adapt to where I eventually will no longer get pleasure from it. Right. I, I see happiness is kind of a, it's like one of those spiritual words that if you can just put it into a sentence, you messed it up because it's too big. But uh, I see it as a state of being. And how could a state of being have anything to do with chemicals in your brain? It's like, it's bigger than that. My mom's happiest day was when I came out of her hoo-ha. There was no pleasure in that day. <laughs> you know, she wasn't like, ooh, you know, that day sucked. Pain-wise, physically, it sucked. Uh, Stress-wise, it sucked. Fear levels were high. Oh, adrenaline. But it was happy. She was happy. And it's, you know, you go, I don't go to the gym, but you go to the gym and you leave the gym, you're hot, sweaty, tired, and sore but you're happy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. And I'm not saying pain has to be a part of happiness, but it's like, now we're expanding it past just, Ooh, I feel good. Yeah. I mean, happiness, like mo- most people look for it in again, all the wrong places, you know, like if I look for it in obviously drugs, I can look for it in relationships, job, you know, if I just had this job, I've just had that girl. If I was just, you know, if I had money, I'd be happy. Right. Right. And so all of these external things that ultimately we don't have any control over. I mean, that's always my biggest, you know, focus that I always try to put with people is that, you know, what are the things that we have control over? Because that's the stuff we want to look at. I mean, if I I'm looking at my job, they could fire me. Right. I could be in a relationship. They could tell me to go fuck off. Right. I can, you know, and so um, she wouldn't do that. I yeah. <laughs> But these are these are things that we have no control over. Right. You know, and so I, I always you know, when I look at happiness, I'm looking for those things that I control. Right. You know, uh, um, they say. Uh, I had a teacher that told me. The basis of your happiness has to come from something outside of your five senses. If your happiness comes from something that you can touch, taste, smell, hear, hear or see, then your shit is fragile, delicate, and I can take it away from you with a gun. Hmm. And it's like, so it has to be something beyond that. Well, what's beyond that? I don't know. Ethics, morals, hopes, dreams, belief, you know, these big words, you know. And I, I love what you said. Happiness, it's like, if it's external then it has a time limit and it's it fragile and it's not under my control. So today didn't make me happy. Eric didn't make me happy. My car didn't make me happy. I don't like this necklace. The weather. Nah. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, 
it's a I think it's a doorway to the plum. The poor little old me, you know, it's like, oh mm -hmm. I used to be happy and now I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question real quick. Sure. And, and you know, I want to know what you were thinking. <laughs> What is happiness? Is it do you do you define it? You know, you got a feeling, an emotion, or a drive, maybe a mindset. What do you what do you see as happiness? You know, I, I'm a very happy person, as most people think. Uh, you know, and it's not a show. Uh, yesterday I went in and got my toes done, and the people were just like, Oh my god, you're you're happy guy. They just call me happy guy. Um <laughs> and sometimes I giggle because even though I am happy, I uh Sometimes people are confusing my energy level with happiness. You know, just because I'm really excited doesn't mean I'm happy. It just means I have a lot of energy. But uh, I think it's a state of being. You know, uh, I was happy. Now, I lost my son two years into recovery. And obviously, losing a son is going to make you miserable. I mean, just it's every parent's nightmare. But... I had a, res a, a reserve because if I didn't, then I'd have to tell my two daughters, you know, sorry, you're going to have a miserable, depressed dad uh, because something happened before you were born. Better luck next time. Hopefully you come back as a lucky llama. You know what I mean? Like, so it's a state of being that can then withstand something that might make you unhappy. I, I think it's almost like a, a, a reservoir. You know, you, you build up the uh, ATM of happiness mm -hmm. so that you don't get uh, overdraft fees or so that, you know, uh, you can afford, you know, a, a, a daily life on life's terms expense here or there without breaking you. Uh, I, I, you know, and obviously I didn't say what exactly what it is. I think it's a lot of it, what it isn't. You know, right. it's like, what isn't happiness? I, 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 I wish I could take credit for it, but there's a meme that said, uh, be, beware of destination addiction. And that is a preoccupation that happiness isn't, like you said, the next job, person, place. And the meme said, if happiness isn't exactly where you are, then it'll never be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you kind of actually answered another question I was going to ask too. Can you... Can you be happy when bad things happen? Right. And, and that's and the key. I mean, ultimately, that's the key, I think. It's bad, good. Again, I don't think bad or good necessarily determines happiness. You know, happiness is a state of, uh, you know, uh, okay, I'm a human being. Being, I-N-G, the action of being. Right. So running, jumping, being, I am being right now. I'm, I'm being you're being We're we're in the action of existing. We're being and I'm a human being as opposed to celadite or a shelf book rock. So we're in a state of being. And as we are, you know, things happen. You know, I, I, I don't think what's that other word uh, insouciance. Uh, it's the uh, joyful feeling when you are free from worries. But I don't want to always be an insouciance because frustration is a, a, a important element of figuring something out. And worry is, it a, you know, that's an element of 
building security or advancing or whatever. You know, uh, a lot of therapists, they say, you know, you have to reduce your stress. I'm like, no, you have to manage your stress. I mean, everything, you know, I, Eric asked me to be a part of this radio show and it's like, wow, that's going to bring some stress. And I welcomed it because anything good, you know, good or bad is going to bring more stress. Good. You get a promotion, stress, get a demotion, stress, get a multi-million dollar house, stress, lose a house, stress. It's like stress. Yeah. Yeah, People, people think like, you know, you either have stress or you don't have stress, which is not, not at all the case because stress is on a continuum, you know? I mean, you're going to have, you know, we all live with stress. I mean, that, and I love what you said there, because that I think is so important for people to realize and understand that you're going to have stress, you know, Um, you know, public speaking is, you know, I I talk about this, but, you know, like the two fears that people talk about the greatest is public speaking and death and public speaking being the top of it usually (laughs) for a lot of people. Right. Right. And, uh, but when we look at that fear, there's two types of fear. There's, there's debilitative fear, and then you have facilitative, right? And debilitative is what keeps people from doing it, right? But facilitative, you know, and the greatest speakers out there, and I have this all the time, you know, within me, when I go do speaking engagements, and I I still like, you know, I have a, a sense of nervousness a little bit, a little bit of stress early on, it goes away pretty quickly. But, but, you know, it's just kind of the up and getting to the to anticipation the, exactly yeah, yeah absolutely like, and uh but it's exciting. not but it's not a no or yes i don't have or i do have stress because it is it's always on a continuum and i think it's important for people to realize that you know right that right. uh and it is about working with our stress so yeah. so then maybe man we're going to continue this how about we say this is part one and we open up part two when we get back in the studio, because uh, I think then maybe we're tickling on the fact that happiness is, okay, we can say happiness is a positive thing, right? So you want to be happy. Happiness is positive. I think to define happiness, it's almost a matter in which you handle anything that's not positive. Sure. Or positive, I guess. So happiness would be how you handle death you know how you handle stress how you handle uh being hot how you handle being cold it's like happy again that reservoir it's like if i am happy or if i want to maintain a happiness in any moment i'm in then it's kind of how i handle how i walk through whatever said thing is Mm -hmm. if i stopped you right before you went on stage and said eric are you happy you'd say yeah i'm trying to get to the stage even though you would have the anxiety and the excitement and the, you, you'd be like, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. And I mean, you can correlate, you know, we can correlate, you know, like happiness, you know, with like feeling good, you know, a sense of euphoria, you know, right. my, my, my podcast highness, right. <laughs> you know, the, the same concepts that I think all of them and, it, and, and they're not going to be constant either. You know, you're going to have your ups and downs. You're going to have your your downfalls. You know, I teach on self-esteem, you know, self-esteem, the premise of it. You're going to make mistakes. You're not right. always going to be at the top of your game, you know, but it's about learning to live in a way that can continue moving, continue, uh, continuing to move forward. 
I think. Right. Right. You know, I talk, I talk about, um, you know, one of the greatest fallacies of happiness is being money, you know, yeah. I mean, so many people think, Oh, if I was just rich, if I just had money, I'd be happy. Right. And happiness does bring one of the qualities or money does bring one of the qualities of happiness, which is security. Okay. So that is definitely an important part, but I, I also believe, and again, with fear, right, that money brings fear. You know, if I have, if I have this mindset that, you know, money's going to make me happy, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get a degree, I'm going to get a high paying job, making a lot of money. And then what am I going to want more of? Right. Money, because I want to be happier. Right. You know, that's interesting, because I was going to say, some people say that, you know, something can happen, and then they bounce back and they're happy. I honestly... For me, I'm just happy. And then things happen. I don't think it's I bounce back from it like I stop being happy. I've been mad and been happy. Happy is more the soil. Mad is where the trees are blowing. I'm I'm I mean I have a base of happiness. You know, I do, I really do. Um, you know, I mean, there's three things in my life that I don't, I mean, if anything would not going to make me happy, it would be one of those three things. Losing a child, uh, you know, uh, 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 violation and, you know, extreme fear. It's like, if I'm happy to do those things, I don't really see besides the sun cracking. But so it's really a base for me. And then things happen. And, and so that leads to what you said. You know, it's as things are going on, you kind of, you, you, it, I think it's like a slinky or, you know, sure. it's like, ooh. So then you said money, a lot of people erroneously believe money will bring them happiness because it brings security or should, or that's why they're seeking it. Well, if you have a base of happiness, what's more secure than that? <laughs> you know, I have a base of happiness. That is my security. That sure. no matter what, I'm going to go, oh, that's literally what people are seeking in money. And now money can add to that security. So now we're talking about flowers on the tree blowing in the wind, but still yet that base soil is there. Right. I think, I think that's, that's how I picture it or else yeah. who the fuck could be happy. Yeah. Well, fear, you know, kind of what I was getting to with that though, is, you know, fear, fear is the greatest destroyer of happiness. Right. You know, and, um, and so, you know, that's typically what evolves from money. You know, again, if now again, you it, it doesn't mean you can't be rich and, and be happy because you can, but it's all about how you view it. How are you looking at it? What is the materialistic view of stuff? Right. You know, I typically find that most people that are genuinely happy are not materialistic at all, you know, because, you know, all of my satisfaction, and my enjoyment in life comes from within, right. not, not something that I can touch taste smell hear feel right right i had a client i i you know you know eric and i work in this field so yeah this question has come up a bazillion times either as a topic or a question and um i was going off about money and uh i said you know money i said guys if you hit the lottery right now and hit a million dollars i was talking to one specific guy i said you would not be happy and they all went oh i bet me bet me da, da, da. i said well being rich would never make you happy. He said, yes, I'd be very happy. I said, well, check this out. You're not happy right now, are you? He said, no. I said, well, compared to some of Ugandan eating a mud pie, you are rich right now. So apparently rich isn't going to make you happy because some people think you're rich right now. 
and rich people usually don't think they're rich. No one says, hey, I'm rich. It's like, you know, <laughs> there's people richer than me and there's people poorer than me. And that goes for anybody. Lower The lower middle class guy, there's someone who has less than him and someone who has more than him, and he knows that. Most people realize that there's that spectrum, you know, and where are you on that spectrum? I remember when the financial thing hit the very first time, not first time, but, uh, you know, years ago, uh, the, the houses and all that. And um, I was reading a newspaper and it was a billionaire turned into a millionaire. But then I read it again and it was actually a billionaire became less of a billionaire. And that hit him so hard that he, laid, he was a first death for that crisis. He laid on the tr- railroad tracks and killed himself. I thought to myself, wow, to become less of a billionaire hit you so hard that that just triggered when I mean, obviously the man probably had a fragile psyche anyway, but wow. Like, yeah, it's funny. It's so funny that, you know, so many people out there that win the lottery, they lose it all. Yeah. Because they have no concept of money. You know, they don't really have like the tools and stuff to manage it. And, um, you know, it, it, it's crazy, but yeah. They said, uh, there's a one couple that was a success story, and they're smart. They hit a gigantic, I mean, a huge one. And what they did was they put it aside. They signed the lottery ticket, found out what the parameters of time were. They put it in a safety deposit box, and then they hired a lottery lawyer. And then they trained themselves for the next year, a little under a year, on how to have the money that they would have. They, they, they trained themselves, and then they transform their house into like an office and literally for a job all they do is wake up in the morning get dressed go downstairs and plan where they're going to invest their money what charities will get involved in what you know they didn't lose their purpose but i guarantee you those people were happy before they ever hit that that, before they ever bought that ticket yeah they had a base of happiness i guarantee it there's no way they didn't yeah i want to i want to say you know for the for you know the listeners out there, and, and I know there are obviously people out there that you know are wanting to be happy or wanting to find happiness. And I remember when we were driving out to the studio for the last show, and we were you were on your TikTok thing, and I brought up a word that uh, I think is one of the most powerful words out there, and it's appreciation. And this is something that you know when you look at a lot of the wealthy people that are miserable, they don't appreciate what they have. Right. Right. They take things for granted. And one of the greatest changes that happened within me with with my when when things really started changing within me, right, was when I really grasped this concept, appreciation. And I started looking at all the stuff that I took for granted in life. Right. Why do we have to lose it before we appreciate it? Retroactive gratitude. Somebody said, yeah. And yeah, and appreciation, you know, it is it is the strongest outbound form of love. It's the idea of giving of everything and asking for nothing, right? True appreciation that I genuinely, Paxton, I appreciate you. I genuinely right appreciate you. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I saw a meme that said, what if you only had tomorrow what you appreciated and were grateful for today? Man, a bunch of people, man, a lot of cousins would die. Some of my fingers would disappear. I mean, my toes would disappear. 
uh, that table would be gone. Half these books would fucking evaporate. Just, I mean, like we would be in trouble. <laughs> Even the best of us would be in trouble. I mean, think about like, think about this when we were kids, right? So when you were a kid, you know, everything was so bright. Everything was new. Everything was unique, you know, and a tree and a stick all day long. Just give me a tree, a stick and some dirt. And man, I got a good time going. Yeah, we ran around in circles to get high, right? Spun ourselves dizzy, right? <laughs> but and I and I thought about that though. It's like, you know, if we could go back or we could start to change our mindset and start looking at things new again, right? Seeing things because everything in our everything in our life today is just, oh, you know, I've had this for years, you know. Uh, our cell phones, you know, of course, you know, we grew up in times where we didn't have those, which were yeah. awesome because our parents couldn't get a hold of us. <laughs> back when I was a kid, my parents couldn't get a hold of me. Yep. <laughs> now they got to get your butt home. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but like we have all these things today and they just become the norm. And they're just, you know, we have internet, you know, we get mad because my computer's not fast enough, right? It's like, our oh my computer. God, oh, taking, oh my God, it's taking minutes here, you know? Our mini <laughs> computer, exactly. Well, now we're talking about uh, the difference between childlike and childish. It's like childish, you know, the immaturity, the, you know, certain uh, 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 cognitive distances, uh, no, no, certain uh, cognitive distortions that are welcome in children. But you should be growing out of, and then the childlike. It's like I watched a uh, Ben and Jerry's commercial, God, more than twenty years ago, and I forgot it was a Ben and Jerry ice cream commercial, and they were in a park, and a couple was walking by, and there's a big refrigerator cardboard box, and the woman looks at the man and says, "That reminds." We lost. We lost your volume. Uh-oh. There we go. You get okay. Uh, and the mom said, or the wife said, that reminds me, we need a new refrigerator. And then another couple walked by, and the guy goes, man, that's just litter. Someone should pick that up. And then the third guy just by himself walks by, looks at it, he goes, whoa, that would make such a neat fort. <laughs> you know? And that always hit me. It's like, yeah, I'm that third guy. <laughs> like yeah we could sled down a hill of that thing at night with a flashlight that'd be fun <laughs> you know that that and appreciation what you have and then also just i guess proactive gratitude proactive appreciation for just what could be like mm -hmm. wow and then appreciate things that aren't even yours like wow you know i appreciate i can look at alexis drive by i you know, wow, the moon, the sun, just uh, act of wonder, just awe, like, wow. Yeah. So that things aren't mundane. Like you said, new, everything's new, awe, oh, as opposed to, uh, yeah. I've, all, seen, I've seen Eric smile before, so what? Like, what everybody, the fuck kind of thinking is that? Yeah. Everybody that is, you know, newly sober, if you're in treatment right now or you're newly sober, right? You guys, and I and I love to say this, is you guys are the luckiest people out there. 
You guys are the luckiest people out there because you get an opportunity to look at things that most people out there don't look at. You get an opportunity to become healthier than that rich person that's just sitting at home because they have no problems in life and there's nothing to work on. So you can actually become healthier. And pain. So, you know, in my book, Pain, Failure, and Misery are the Stepping Stones to Success, I sort of touch on this concept that, you know, pain is our, can be our greatest friend, can be our yes. greatest ally. The deeper and darker we go, the more we get an opportunity to learn, you know. And I'll tell you, this was, you know, one of the qualities to happiness is gratitude, right? And I remember, you know, after I got out of custody, you know, I'd been in custody and I got out and, and, um, and I had a counselor and my counselor told me right n- newly out of custody, he said, look, I want you to write a gratitude list. Right. And I was like, like, what, man, I wrote my gratitude list was pages long. Right. I could go to the bathroom without people watching me. I could open the refrigerator door and grab a soda myself. I can cook my own food. I can, I can walk past can, that wall. Yeah, I can walk outside and I can feel the sun. You know, I can look at the roses. I can smell the roses. I mean, all of these things that, you know, I took for granted for years. I had to lose it for me to experience it and to ultimately see it. You know, I still have that today. That's the other thing. And for me, that's become, you know, I appreciate that I have a car, you know, appreciate I have a house, you know, I, I appreciate I have a wife, appreciate my kids. I appreciate you. I appreciate you know, you know, I mean, there's, there's, I have so much, you know, my, my family and everything. And, yeah. uh, and I can truly genuinely see that today. And that feels good. Yes. You and know? that it feels good. Um, I, I had a, a client, they, they said, yeah, but you know, God took my grandmother and she was like my mom. And I said, well, I understand that. Uh, I said, well, you know, I'm kind of harsh sometimes. I said, well, everyone has a dead grandmother. Matter of fact, everyone has two of them. And grandmas die. That's what they do. But I get it. I'm not saying, you know, you're not feeling pain. I said, but are you more mad that she was taken than that you had her in the first place? Because, like, what the fuck? You know, I don't want to buy a puppy because one day I'll have to say goodbye to an old dog. Well, wow. You know, that. or can I appreciate... The, the time that you had that I even had it. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I mean, that was, you know, one of the, one of the most difficult persons for me to lose was my grandma. You know, she, uh, I mean, I, you know, I mean, she was, she was that person that you could just go to and you could talk to about anything. She was fun. I mean, growing up, I mean, we just had a blast and she died in 1999. And now granted she was 87 years old. Did I lose you? <laughs> uh, um, anyways, I was, uh, she was 87 years old. And, uh, uh, and that was the hardest thing in the world for me. But that's what I had to come to realize, too, is that, you know what? I had all those years with her. You know, I had all that time that I got to spend with her. And, uh, and that's what became meaningful. You know, because, yes, when we look at what the reality of life is, is that we do lose people. We lose Paxton. <laughs> he sort of came off the came off the grid here. But um, but that is something I think that that uh, you know when we look at the reality in life, man, you're like popping back off off and on, man. The sound went out, so I had to 
re come reboot. Yeah. The other thing that I, I, I think is important, and I see this with a lot of people, though, goes back to like labeling yourself, you know, and people label themselves. And, um, you know, when we label ourselves, we limit ourselves. And I truly believe that, you know, it's a stamp. Uh, and you're, that you're, you're not, in one moment. Yeah. Because and you're labeling by your behavior. The film yeah. is rolling. There's no photos here. Well, the film is rolling, and it's like literally the film's rolling. But you know, it, it, you, as soon as you label, it's not going to change. No. You know, you've stamped it, put it yeah. in a box. Well, you label yourself by your behaviors, right? Right. And, but that's not who Sometimes. we are. We're Sometimes. not. Or we're not. You know, or, you say I'm a thief. I'm a. Okay, even the concept of I'm an addict, right? You labeling yourself by what you do right now. Right. This, is, this is something that I, and now again, we go to the 12 step program. You know, it's something you say, it's what, you know, my it's, an admission, though. it's not really a, a label. No. But it, but in the context though, it, you know, it can be, it can be, you know, because if you, if you're saying to yourself over and over, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict. What do addicts do? They they use, use, yeah. Right. So in the context, you got to be careful on that a little bit and, ingraining that too deep in your brain <laughs> right. you know but um but you know we are not our actions we're the one that's done those things but that's not actually who we are as a person right. and that's important to separate from well we're not even our thoughts because a lot of people label themselves according to the way they think or or how they're feeling and it's like i am not my actions or my thoughts or my feelings mm -hmm. you know those are all all temporary things. I am a, uh, actually, you know, I, I love the human being, being, I-N-G, but Augmentino in the memorandum from God, he says, you're more than a human being, you're a human becoming. Mm. And it's like, ooh, like mm. we are in motion. This is, this is a movement thing. There is no snapshot. So, you know, people worry about taking their picture because they might be blinking. No one worries about blinking in a video because the film is rolling. This thing is actively going on. There's no stop. And even I, I believe even when we die, it's not stop, it's change. And so that label, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, the boxes in my shelf have labels. <laughs> you know what I mean? And even yeah. that changes. Once I start cooking it, it might be something else. But I throw the box away. <laughs> throw the box away so I can turn the macaroni and cheese into a casserole. You know, even then the label disappears. Yeah. I always picture like, and I, I've always thought about this with uh, like, you know, psychology. I, I, lo I love psychology, study psychology, yeah. majored in psychology. And Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Right. And you get to the top of his pyramid, which is, you know, the self-actualizer, the self-actualization stage. You know, and I loved what those qualities were. And I remember when I when I originally studied that, I really looked at that and I thought that was really, you know, powerful. You know, somebody that's able to judge situations correctly, honestly, you know, they're able to accept, you know, their own human nature with all of their flaws. Right. You're true to yourself rather than being what others want you to be. You know, going back to last week, we talked about sure. the thinking for ourselves, right? Right. You know, the mission to fulfill in life or, you know, some task or problem that are is beyond yourself. You know, you're free from reliance on other people. 
You know, you, you have that ability to be comfortable being alone, being by yourself. I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, the greatest spot that you can get to in life is when you're able to sit still and be okay with it. Right. So it's funny just talking about happiness and all that. I had a TikTok video and I was so weird. And it was true though. The lady out of nowhere, she goes, she said, uh, she typed her comment. You have a lot of smile lines in your face. You must be a happy person. I was like, (laughs) wow. I never thought that there were smile lines. You know what I mean? But then I thought I looked at the video. I was like, you know what? You're right. That was a, like a really acute uh, observation, like that, that. That kind of amazed me. I sat, I pondered, I sat on that for a second. Like, you wow. can see that. I mean, you can literally see that people that are miserable. You can see that they've lived that way. The older, older people that they've lived that way. You know, the people that are happy, just like you're talking about. You can see it within they the life of grimacing, frowning. Sneering, clenching, yeah. tensing. Yeah. yeah. And don't take life so damn seriously, right? Rule number 62. Laugh at yourself. <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you know, I, I it's kind of like the uh I forgot the author's name, but Winnie the Pooh, and how they're saying uh that each one of the Winnie the Pooh characters was an aspect of the author. And that, you know, Winnie the Pooh, of course, was an alcoholic, obsessive, you know, look at him with that honey. And then Tigger was manic. And uh, 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 Piglet was anxious. And that uh, 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 Eeyore was depressed, you know? And it was like that attitudinal stance. Even when they were happy, they were whatever their attitudinal stance was. Hey, Eeyore, did you have a good time at the park? Yeah, Pooh. Had a good time. <laughs> I think we're going to go to the party now. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know? Uh, but that, that, that frozen feeling of the attitudinal stances. And I talked about today in one of my groups. It's just like movement, emotion. Keep it moving. Yeah. All the feelings. Because I don't see it happy as a feeling. I see it as a state of being. Now, being glad or being joyous is a feeling, and that will pass. I'm not always joyous. Sure. I'm not always glad. I'm not always excited. I'm not always serene. I'm not always calm. I don't want to go to a concert and be serene and calm. I want to be excited and not. You know, I I don't want to go to sleep excited and not. I want to go to sleep calm and serene. And so those feelings, but happiness, I don't, I really want to, maybe we should read a, write a book together. Well, we already decided to write a book for our third book, taking the happiness out of the, the ha, uh, taking happiness out of, from being a feeling to being a state of being. Cause I really don't like happiness as a feeling. Obviously sure. I'm, I understand I that if someone said I'm happy. I'm not like, no, it's not a feeling, but it's just, I, to me, it's not a feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's so much of it's based on perspective, you know, I mean, you got the, you know, are you more optimistic or are you more pessimistic? You know, I always hear people say, well, I'm more of a realist. Well, that's not what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about, you know, it's about how you're viewing it. We're not changing facts, right? Right. We're just looking at how we view it. Are they problems or are they opportunities? 
You know, I love I, I love that you brought that up. I uh, I always say, okay, the glass is half full or glass is half empty, and they always say, well, that's a matter of perspective, and I say, no, it's a matter of choice and perspective, because if we're eating at a restaurant and the waiter leaves it, you know, I don't want to give the waiter a tip. I say he left the he left the glass half empty the whole time. Or if you spilt my water and I wanted you to buy me a new one, I would say, oh, it was half full. It's the spin you put on whatever is real. Because if they're the same, all things being equal, it's only your percep. It's your choice and perception. I don't think it's just your perception. It's like you have a motive for that perception. You have a you can uh, aporindia intention. Yeah, but I'm talking about more of with ourself, you know, oh, sure. not, not putting that out on other sure. outside exterior thing, sure. Sure. you know, um, like I said, I mean, you know, is, is this a problem or is this an opportunity? Do you have an opportunity right. for growth? Is this something? Well, but even with yourself, you, know, you can see it as half full, half empty. Sure. Like literally you could say I'm halfway through my life or, you know, you, oh, I only have, you know, my uncle is uh, amazing. He sat me down at before I got sober and he said, how old are you? And I told him, I'm, you know, 25. And he said, let's say you live average to 75 and let's just give you 20 more years to really hold you know. And he said, you have this many Christmases, this many weddings, this are birthdays, this many Halloweens, this many summers. This And I was like, whoa. When he said it like that, I kind of sat back. I was like, wow, you know, you can almost take Chris, you know, oh, Christmas, Christmas. But to think I only have 30 more Christmases left, it's like, wow, it makes you think. And it's kind of the perspective you have if you choose to look at things like that or the other way. You know, we, we're having a really good show that's not going to last forever or, oh, the show's almost done. Uh, I mean, it's always, it, it's how you, you know, you can always do that to yourself or to other things, I think. Yeah, yeah and your perspective will play a lot into how you see things and how you feel about things, you know? Right. I mean, you can you can obviously throw twists on stuff just to make yourself feel shit like shit all the time, you know? <laughs> you know? And uh, how helpful is that? I mean, that's just... I it mean, robs me that, you of that happiness. Absolutely. It, it shakes that happiness down, you know? And... Some people literally, uh, for whatever reason, and there's lots of reasons, but, you know, it's almost like if you, ex I went to a meeting one time, <clears throat> uh, AA meeting, and a guy, he was sitting next to me, and he said, man, there's this girl who shares, and I hate her shares. I just hate when she talks. Bothers me so much. And I said, oh, well, okay. And he goes, there she is. I said, right on. He's like, man, wait until you hear a share. You're going to hate it. I said, okay. So the meeting went on, and he, you know, nugged me. He's like, dude, she's going to share. Watch, watch, watch. Fucking I hate it. Watch. And the meeting passed, and she didn't share. And she's like, he was, he was almost disappointed. He goes, oh, well, next time. I'm like, wow, you are fighting for your right to not be happy. Or... Yeah is not being happy your version of happiness <laughs> you know well some people like some people seem <laughs> some people seem like they just like to be miserable too though you know and defend and, it yeah 
I mean, in the, you know, like when I, when I actually do this educational group, I, I talk about two different types of thinking, you know, that people have that one will lead more into happiness than the other one. Right. Um, you know, and, and one side, you know, the, what I, you know, the straight thinking is black and white thinking only two ways, right. My way or the highway, right, wrong. Yes. No, you know, they're pessimistic. They're always looking for the differences, right? So when I'm looking for the differences, I'm just pushing people away, right? Right. You're an alcoholic. I'm a meth addict. We're so different, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know? No, yeah. I, uh, and this is just my own personal view. And it's only my personal experience. So if other people have different experiences, that's awesome. But uh, I, you know, I do go to 12 steps meetings, not a lot, but, you know, I've got, I used to, especially in my first 10 years. And I would sometimes there'd be meetings that are more specific to a specific drug. Mm-hmm. And in that meeting, they have to make sure you know that the meeting is specifically for that drug. So then all of a sudden we end up spending so much time making sure that we are specifically talking about that drug that we forget about the solution. Because yep. like, oh, this is a cocaine drug meeting. So cocaine, cocaine, cocaine. By the way, cocaine. So everyone now has to talk about cocaine. And if you talk about a solution that might apply to something other than cocaine, like alcohol or any other drug, it's almost like it takes away from the uniqueness of the meeting. So I found that it just human psychology, it ends up, I don't want to say herd mentality, but just the flow of it ends up being negative because you have to root yourself in the negative to make it stand out. It's just, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. And I'm like, ah, I don't like that. Yeah, I'd rather go to a a meeting that has nothing to do with my problem and be in the solution because maybe I'll walk away with the solution and apply it to my own personal problem. Yeah. Look for the similarities, you know, find out what find out where we are similar. You know, the shades of gray, looking at all the different options. There's so many different options out there. You know, freedom. Freedom is, you know, one of the I always tell the story that, you know, the first time that I felt more freedom than I'd felt in my entire life, I was in custody, which taught me, you know, that freedom has nothing to do with anything external, that it all comes from within. You know? Freedom! <laughs> <laughs> I had to do the brave heart. I could not do it. I had to do the brave heart freedom. Yeah. But exactly. Exactly. So, um, so I guess I would challenge all the listeners, uh, not, not, uh, I don't want to say make the decision to be happy. Find out that you are happy. And look for the qualities, you know, find gratitude, appreciation, you know, but what altruism. I want to say is find Help. out that you are happy so that everything else is based off that. Find your baseline happiness. Realize that you are already happy. You literally are already happy. And then everything else, that's my message, everything else is what you are happy doing, walking through, handling, dealing with, building, finding, losing, fucking, eating, drinking, but find, realize that you are happy. And then put everything else in perspective, as opposed to putting your happiness in perspective with everything else. Yeah. And people in recovery that I see are 
genuinely happy sober you know they've got goals they've got dreams they got a vision they know where they're going what they're doing yes. um, why they're doing it you know they they have you know worked on themselves they've learned to love themselves they've care about themselves you know they've worked on self-esteem confidence self-respect self-worth you know doing um, you know, one of the greatest, you know, I, I teach about impulse control, right? Impulse control. Every action in your life has a consequence, right? When you identify all the positives and negatives to everything, both options, all options you have, ask yourself the question, will this really make me happy? Right. Will, will this really make me happy? We only got about a minute left. So, um, you know, uh, and we definitely are going to continue this conversation. We'll do happiness part two. Uh, because I want to uh, really hear from other people on this because that's where we're going to find the beauty is everyone's coming from that one little point, you know, where they are at any given time. And, uh, and we'll, we'll be able to finagle where happiness is around wherever they are at the time, you know. Yeah. And I think the first part, again, is that we want to look within ourselves. Inside, go within or go without. In ourselves, you know. Go within or go without. Comes yes. from inside, you got a chance. Comes and from talk outside, to people. Talk to people. Talk to other people. You know. Real quick, I ask people, "What's the game of Monopoly? What's the goal of Monopoly?" And they say to get all the property. I say no, and they say, "Well, it's to uh, get all the money." And I, well, you don't go to Target, buy a Monopoly set, put the money in your pocket, and say you won. And they go, well, what's the goal then? I said, well, the goal is to have fun. You know, the goal yep. of Monopoly is to have fun. And if I'm having fun and the goal of Monopoly is to have fun, then I am undefeatable. How could I lose? Absolutely. Hey, we got to go ahead and end this. I want to thank everybody for listening. And we will see you next week. Thanks. You're listening to What Were You Thinking? With Eric McCoy and Paxton Dickerson. Only on L.A. Talk Radio.